0: Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast, where we discuss matters of investment interest. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Yu, who is the Chief Investment Officer at Blue Bluewell Capital and Lead Manager of the Bluewell Growth Fund. Stephen co-founded Bluewell Capital with Peter Hargreaves in 2016. The Bluewell Growth Fund was launched in September 2017 and is a long-only global equity fund, focusing on large caps in developed markets. Stephen adopts a high conviction, active approach based on bottom-up fundamental research. The fund's assets under management surpassed 350 million pounds in 2020. So firstly, Stephen, a very warm welcome to you and thank you for sparing us some of your time. Thank you, Richard. If we could start from the beginning of the fund and perhaps you could give us a feel for the, the objectives and the style of, of your fund and what kind of differentiates you from the many that are, that are obviously out there.
1: The Bluewell Growth Fund is a highly concentrated global loan-only fund. We, At any one point in time, we invest into the best of 25 to 35 companies that we found uh, globally. And it's really much based on high conviction approach that we do all the research in-house. We try to formulate our view on every single company and construct a financial model. And within our space, we sit in the IA global sector. And obviously, there are about 300 funds in there. And the objective for the fund, obviously, is that we want to be able to deliver significant outperformance relative to the uh, average funding i global or maybe even relative to the msl world net gbp index
0: okay so in, in terms of sector and, and country allocation how are you uh, how are you positioned
1: so since we started uh we have quite a decent exposure to the us and at the moment we have about 70% in the us and then the rest would be in europe including uk the reason that we have a lot of exposure in the us is purely because that we have over the last three years managed to find higher quality businesses in the U.S. relative to the the UK or Europe and which I'm happy to go into a few names later. And in terms of the sectors, there's a lot of things that we don't do, which I'm happy to expand on. For example, we don't cover banks, which we feel that the transparency is too low. We don't cover highly technical companies like mining, oil and gas, etc. And also some speculative biotech or pharma companies. But then the companies that we look at of sectors that we have in the fund, some of them are exposed to digital transformation, which would probably be the more exciting sector that we can go into a bit more. And then we also do cover uh, some of the more traditional sectors like the medical equipment, uh, luxury
0: brands, staples company, beverages, etc. You mentioned a portfolio of 25 to 35 stocks. If, If we sort of hone that down to the top 10 or so, um, it sounds as though there may be some fairly exciting and, and presumably US companies within that list.
1: Correct. So, within the top 10 that we have, there are a couple of stocks that we have owned since we started the fund about three and a half years ago. And there will be the likes of Microsoft, Adobe, PayPal, Amazon, which I, I think I'm sure a lot of uh, our audience are familiar with. And then the other side of that is we all throughout the journey of the last uh, two and a half years to do research on these companies, then we discover even more names that are Either they're leading the, the digital transformation for enterprises, or maybe they are helping a lot of enterprises to adopt the digital transformation.
0: I noticed one stock, uh, UK stock, in, in the list, which w- wouldn't normally necessarily fit into uh, a sort of high conviction growth portfolio, arguably. Uh, and that's Unilever. What, what's, uh, what's attracted you to that particular stock?
1: This is a very interesting one. So at the moment, as we sit here today, that we have invested into 25 companies in the fund, so we're at the lower end of our range, and and yeah, you're you're right to point out that we we do have Unilever sitting in the top 10. The reason for Unilever, obviously, I mean you can't really compare Unilever to the likes of PayPal or Amazon, but then the we do feel that the valuation is very attractive. The quality of the business is pretty high and it does still generate about over 20% return on investor capital. And one thing that I always said about the lower growth companies, including Unilever, is that you need to be able to invest in this company at a very attractive valuation in order to deliver outperformance. If you pay the wrong price, which means that you buy them when they're expensive, then you're not going to deliver outperformance. So we feel that at this point in time, Unilever probably fit the camp, but then the other thing, which is interesting, that I've been saying to a few investors recently, that within the 25 stocks, obviously we do have quite a high bar uh, in terms of scoring the quality of the business, such as the management team, competitive positioning, structural growth drivers, how recession-proof they are in a recession, etc., and and the highest quality name that we have in the fund is Microsoft. I wouldn't go into the details now, but then on the opposite side of that, the lowest quality within our 25 company are actually Unilever. So I think want to give you a a favor of that is, uh, a case of that is that we do set a very high bar when we talk about quality of the business. And obviously, I mean, Unilever would probably, for some other investor, they would deem Unilever as high quality. But in our portfolio, Unilever is actually sitting at
0: the low end. But
1: valuation is
0: attractive. Understood. On the basis, we've obviously had a a slightly challenging six months or so with the Dow Jones and the S&P still in negative territory for the year. Nonetheless, the Nasdaq is up around ten percent in the year to The fact that you, you've mentioned Microsoft and, and we've mentioned Amazon, the fact that they remain among your favourite holdings, I, I assume is saying that you still think they've uh, got much further to go.
1: Yeah, I think these these banks uh, uh, probably make it maybe a slightly bigger uh, debate on, on how you want to. I mean, how we want to position the fund from from this point onwards. But it it was only about twelve months ago, this time last year, that we have become more cautious on valuation of some of our dogs, including the including some of the names that you mentioned or the names that you would see on our top ten now. And we were running over ten percent cash in cash prior to the sell-off in February in the fund. So we have been running quite high of cash just because even though that we still like those companies that you mentioned, but then the valuation was less attractive relative to the market. But what has changed over the last three months is that not only the market has been re-rated or become more expensive compared before the COVID-19 and you can argue that that would be down to the central banks cutting rates to zero and also quantitative easing etc hence equity prices would go up on the back of that but then on on a back this, if you then look at the companies that we just talked about that they are now trading at a more attractive valuation relative to the market and of course in addition to that that they A lot of these companies, they are actually the net beneficiary on the back of COVID-19. So they are actually winning more businesses. People are doing more shopping online. Uh, More people are working from home, embracing the Office 365 suite, etc. So the earnings for a lot of these companies are actually going up. And so I think if you put the two together, we feel a lot more comfortable owning these names uh, with the weighting that we have compared to this time
0: last year. Understood. So bearing in mind the challenge in 2020 we've seen so far, uh, how's the fund holding up within the current downturn? So if
1: I give you maybe a few numbers and I'm sure our audience can look it up themselves. I think one th- one number I would share was that given that we do have quite a focus on high-quality businesses and most of the businesses are net cash to start with. So you would expect them to have done much better than the markets when we have the big sell-off in February and March. And so in Q1 this year, that the fund was down about 8%. And then our peer group was down about uh, 15%, the IE global average or the MSCI well net GBP would be similar range. So we we, we fell less, much less than the market. But then since the market recovered in April, the fund has done much better than the market and we were and year to date the fund is up over 10 11% to date and then the market is about flat today so we have outperformed the market over 12% year to date maybe the one last statistic I will share was that we were at about the same level in, in NAV's term, up about 10, 11%, only just before the sell off started in February. And then we're now back to the same territory, slightly higher. But then the market has basically gone backwards. So obviously, this is a long only fund, so we could lose money. But then the, the level of outperformance is what we target uh, to achieve. And this is something that we work very hard to achieve. And, and and over the last six months, we have dele- we've managed to deliver more our performance
0: went to the market
1: before the year
0: started. Yeah, which is interesting because obviously you can, as as indeed we did see, uh, particularly during March, you can have this indiscriminate markdown of share prices uh, regardless, whereas the quality then gets the opportunity to show itself until uh, so we get back to some sense of uh, some sense of normality.
1: Correct. So we did, just, just to maybe go back to one of the points I made earlier, that we were running into the crisis with about 11% cash at the beginning of February. And by the end of March, we have reduced the cash to about 3%. So we have, basically, we were quite busy in terms of deploying capital into the names that, we feel that they're not only the high quality, but then the valuation of those companies are at the extreme. So hence, we we feel quite comfortable. And since then, of course, the markets recover, our stocks have recovered, but our stocks have actually done much better than the market since the recovery started as well. So that would contribute to a good level of outperformance over the last months as well.
0: Absolutely. And finally, Stephen, notwithstanding the fact that, that your fund takes a, a bottom-up approach, it's a question we all get asked, I'm sure, on a virtually on a daily basis but but what's your kind of outlook from here
1: yeah th- this is probably the most difficult question and i would try to maybe give a few pointers i think firstly just to emphasize that we are bottom up investors we do not at blue wealth take a top down view on how the covid-19 is going to play out how when do we get a recovery when do we get an op- i mean when when the economy open up etc it's an impossible call to make The way that we do it is we would try to factor in all these macro uncertainties when we make forecasts on earnings in a company. And I haven't talked about this earlier, that we have actually sold out of some position in the fund in Q1 based on the uncertainty in the market, because we just cannot take a view on how this is going to play out. And and in Q1, we sold out of Intercontinental Hotels and also LVMH, the luxury brands. And not because that they are low quality business or anything like that but in order to justify the valuation then you need to take a view on how much money they're going to make over the like next 12 to 18 months basically how many holidays people are going to take whether you're going to go for your next luxury handbags etc so I think it's very difficult to call to make and and that that's what we have always done over the last two and a half years I think it serves us quite well but not taking a view of macro but trying to come up with conservative assumption uh, when we make forecasts and as as long as we are ahead of the market after we factor in all this uncertainty then, then the valuation, we would have some conviction in that number. I think the bigger question, which is probably more for Richard and for our audience to make a call on, obviously I think the market has become more expensive compared to three months ago on the back of the crisis. And and could the market become more expensive from here? I, I think some people can argue it positively, yes, that you can go more even more expensive because we could be going into a negative interest rate environment and that would be more quantity easing. But on the other hand, we do have a lot of uncertainty in the economy on the economy level, like when the government subsidies started to to re- retract there will be a high level unemployment etc how is that going to affect it in the market so at Bluewell we do not make these calls and and I think it would be down to the investor to see what what's going to happen over the next 12, six to twelve months but I, I think it's worth reminding our, our audience that this is a long only fund that if you want to maybe take an interest then you need to take a medium-term view so six months it would be very difficult for us to even take a call on our companies but if you're take like three to five years of view on some of the companies that we have from the fund and we do feel quite confident that they will be able to deliver a good level of
0: performance. Well absolutely because come early July of course we'll be moving into the second quarter reporting season and that whole valuations question is going to come up again on the basis where you've got price earnings you're not absolutely sure what the earnings are going to be.
1: Correct and I think it's fair that we, which we have seen over the last couple of weeks that there's a lot of companies that we feel they are structurally challenged on the back of the COVID-19. But if you look at the share price recovery from some of these companies, then they, they are probably out of sync with fundamentals. So I think that's a, a, a good segment portion of the market. They are probably not reflecting the fundamentals. But as far as we are concerned, the reason that we, I mean, I said that we feel confident or we feel optimistic all the time that I'm referring to the 25 companies that we
0: have in the fund,
1: which sure. is not the rest of the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's, that's all we've got time for, Stephen. Absolutely fascinating insights and, and lovely to speak with you. So, uh, again, our thanks go to Stephen Yu, the lead manager of Blue Well Growth Fund. And thank you for listening. Do join us next time when we embark upon a, another interactive investor mm-hmm. podcast.